Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Beatrice McCabe, and my sister is Rosemary McCabe. And this is the only intro I've been allowed to do for the last five months because she keeps criticizing them. So I'm sorry if it's not great, but I'm practicing and I'm learning. And every day I'm getting better, God willing. Now, I love books. Today we're going to talk about... Every day I'm getting better. (laughs) Are you 12? I'm trying. Every day I'm getting better. Look, you're so mean to me. I hope our editor leaves that in. (laughs) (laughs) We should just start going, leave that in. Um... (laughs) Oh my God, sorry, did I tell you a couple of weeks ago that uh, I could say this because this is for Patreon. A couple of weeks ago, Liam texted me and said, um, there's a bit in this episode where you fart and you say, Liam, take that out. And Beatrice says, Liam, leave that in. What will I do? I was like, <laughs> what? Take it out, you maniac. Poor Liam. <laughs> Good job, Poor Liam. Poor me. Anyway, yeah, you, you love reading. I occasionally love reading, but this is mostly you because- You love reading. Yeah, no, true. But this is mostly because we actually got a request from someone saying, uh, quite emphatically, for the love of God, could you recommend some books? Oh. For the love of God. Is that a, is that a, is that a request or is that it was a demand. an order? Yeah. It was a demand. It was a cheeky demand. I could recommend some books. Oh, I've just seen H.P. Lovecraft, The Complete Fiction, up on the bookshelf. And I was only thinking to say maybe I should read something by H.P. Lovecraft because I started watching Lovecraft Country. And let me tell you, it's very good. I know. I'm only on episode two. But it's mad. Like, it's mad as well, isn't it? We watched, I think, three episodes and then you unsubscribed from HBO rudely. But but now we can watch it again. But uh, yeah, it's like cracked in a good way. Like I was watching going, how did somebody come up with this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Excellent. It's excellent. Very good acting. Anyway, that's not what we were asked to recommend. No, we were asked but to recommend books. What are you reading right now? Right now, 
I'm reading that book that you recommended to me that I can't remember the name of. Ask Again, Yes, by Mary Elizabeth Yes. King. Oh my God, it's excellent. Look at me. I knew the whole, I haven't even read it. I knew the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, excellent. And is she, did we establish, is she an Irish writer or she's of Irish descent? What's her name again? I, Mary she must Elizabeth be of King, Irish descent. She must be of Irish descent. At one point she says, she's talking about this the one of the uh, one of the characters and how he left Ireland and he left the family behind and he says Ara we'll see you soon I'm like definitely Mary Elizabeth is that her name I think so Mary Elizabeth Keane just Google ask again yes but um I mean I wouldn't say you have to be Irish to say Ara because I don't like I don't know any Irish person who says Ara I feel like so go on is um, she Irish or not of Irish parentage oh okay an great. American writer of Irish parentage Anyway, she's absolutely, it's an absolutely excellent book. Uh, Mary Elizabeth, Mary Beth Keane, not Mary Elizabeth. Mary Beth Keane. And um, potato, potato. As well, potato, as we say in Ireland, and she is of Irish parentage. But it is a very sensitive, moving book about two families and how they intersect over the years and the implications that actually I was also reading an interview with somebody I can't remember anymore yesterday in in the New York Times about philosophy and it was like the butterfly you know the if a butterfly if a butterfly moves its wings here what's the impact that is felt across the world and I definitely think this is about like how the impact and the reverberations of actions from one person or one one part of a family's life can have an impact through generations you know and it's really so amazingly written, honestly, like I was likening it to you at the pool when you were starting to glaze over because you were like, I'm trying to read my own book. But it, I, I would think it reminds me of my own other favorite, Philip Russo. Is that his name? Philip? I thought it Richard was, Russo. I, I thought it was reminding me of Jonathan France and the Corrections. Yeah, loads of people. But I'm saying they all have in common. Okay. They all have in common. So it's like, I think Jonathan, Jonathan France and the Corrections was amazing because I felt like it just actually also, what's her name? Donna Tart, right? That it manages to talk, and actually, you know, who's that one in Ireland? Who's the Irish one um, who does the elm tree? Or remember, I gave you one of her books. Oh, the the witch elm. Yeah, I think she's actually American. Moved to Ireland. Richard Russo is the is the writer I was thinking of. Uh, I think I have one of her books over here. The witch elm. Hold on. Tara Tara French. Oh yes, right. So some of Tara French's writing, I think, is like this. But is it Tara French just or Tana sense- French? Sorry, Tana maybe. Tana French like I think that there's some you know in a lot of books there's one core character who's really well fleshed out and who's really well described and who you really feel a part of and everybody else is kind of peripheral but in this book Ask Again Yes it takes these like chunks of the book and focuses on a different person and it just gets to the inner kind of thought process and perspective of each one of the characters so well and so differently like there's no overlap but there's also kind of no judgment it's not like this is a good person this is a bad person it's like everybody everybody kind of has their own reason for thinking the way they are and their own background and what shaped them and everything and just it's so sensitive and it's so I actually put it down when we were on our holidays I put it down like when I read it I kept saying but put this down now you know and then I was reading it for like another two hours put it down cried for 45 minutes which is probably not a great glowing you know reason to go and read it but it was just so I wasn't even particularly crying about it and I was just like this is so tragic I I mean I would like to point out for anyone who is listening to this and going oh I really don't fancy a book that's going to make me cry like a book that makes Beatrice cry is not necessarily a book that's going to make everyone cry just because you cry I'd say a bit more easily than the average person at books and films and trailers and news stories 
That's true. Maybe that's because I'm an extremely empathetic person versus a sympathetic person. I'll just point it out this week, the difference. What's the difference? Sympathy is, I understand what you're feeling and I feel sorry for you. And I, I'm, empathy is, I'm putting myself in your shoes and feeling the pain you're feeling. Oh. Pretend, kind of. <laughs> anyway. So I feel all their pain. So I was crying. But anyway, it's so well written. And it also reminded me of, I remember, actually, I, as I was doing up my bookshelves yesterday, beautiful picture of which I will post when it's all done. Maybe I'll post a mid pick and a post pick because like right now it's looking like hell. We could do a it's carousel on nightmare. Good idea. I shouldn't have started it. Anyway, I found the other author I was talking to you about, uh, John Irving. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was talking to you about A Prayer for Own Meaning. I don't have that book. I have uh, A Widow for All Seasons, I think it is. And I was like, I think I'm going to get you the Own Meaning one, though, because he's the same thing. It's a bit like even Stephen King, even though Stephen King writes horror. It's not really horror. There's a supernatural aspect, but it's all about the minutiae, the tiny lives of really normal people versus, you know, some books are like this thing happened and this big event happened. I feel like in all these authors, it's not a big event. It's just life. It's like these are the small mundanities that make up a life and that make it so interesting and unique, even though it's so universal. Well, that's what I felt when I read Richard Yates' Revolutionary Road. And I've never oh, seen the movie, actually. That was brilliant. But yeah, I, I thought that was brilliant too. And just really astutely observing the totally normal ways that human beings behave. And like, I don't know, I've, I've talked about this before, either on this podcast or on my own podcast, about like, there's a moment in it where one of the characters, I can't even remember which character it is, goes out in the back garden and starts crying. And then realizes that nobody can see them crying and is basically like, I better go inside again now. You know what I mean? Like, there's no point in this if there's nobody to see it or share it or notice yeah. and I thought that was really interesting because like I've definitely had those moments myself probably when I was a little bit younger or you know kind of when you feel really ill done by rather than when you're really upset trust me you're going to have them now when you have like now that you have two kids and you're about to have a third kid like this performative aspect of feeling and of emoting a hundred percent you become so aware of it because I mean I will tell you it's not about being like I feel it now like if I stub my toe I could yell really loudly and then I could cry. I mean, and I do, I do these things, you know. And then I realize after a couple of minutes, nobody's coming. Nobody cares. They're still all watching TV. Minecraft oh. is more important. Don's not coming down because I'm an adult. He assumes I'm fine. Like when I, when I got stung by the wasp the weekend before last and I was outside the window crying for Don. Don, I got stung and I was crying. And then I was like, nobody's coming. So I stopped crying. <laughs> and like, it wasn't like, oh, I'll actually, I'll, just, I'll, I'll wind down this crying. I was just like, oh. I'll just stop crying because nobody's coming. What's the point? I'm wasting my tears here. Nobody's coming. Well, you, and I mean, there is this real awareness, though. Like, yeah. it is true that 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 kind of I'm I'm not doing I'm not crying. I mean, there's a certain time when you cry because you it's like a physical reaction. Yeah. Other times you're crying because you want the sympathy. Like unconsciously, it's not a thought. Want sympathy, will cry. But you realize when you're not getting the sympathy, you might as well stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that. Yeah. That happened to me last week when uh, the cat bit me like properly. Dracula bit me like teeth right the way into my arm I let out an almighty scream Brandon wasn't here it was just me and the boys they didn't even look up from the TV and so I'm like <laughs> looking at them going oh my god like, and literally the loudest scream you've ever heard right like battled the cat off the counter got such a fright looking over at them they're just like staring at the TV screen and then Brandon walked in about two minutes later and then I burst out crying I was like finally somebody's here to pay attention to me do you know what oh, I mean yeah like, yeah, like good not one. on purpose but 
Well, I'm glad you didn't waste the tears beforehand. You had like fully, you were fully like ready to go when he arrived. Oh my God, I should have actually gone over, laying down on the floor in front of them between them and the TV and started crying and see what seeing what had happened. They'd probably be like, oh. Rosemary, if they could see the TV over your body, that wouldn't work. So the only I thing know, that would work is care. if you stand in front of the TV. Okay, let me tell you what I'm currently reading. I'm currently reading Giovanni's Room. What's that about? So I'm only, I think, about two chapters in. I'm just going to look up the author now. Oh, James Baldwin. Uh, oh my God, we're, except for Tana French and Mary Beth Keane, we're really gender swayed at the moment. But uh, mom gave it to me for Christmas and it was one of those books that she, like Hamnet, which I also recently read, which was actually amazing. But it was, basically she gave me these two books for Christmas and then every, almost every time I talked to her, she goes, have you read those books yet? Have you read Giovanni's Room? You know, like I heard it's brilliant, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of got put off starting it because I was like, oh, what if it's, you know, what if it's not brilliant? It's a lot of pressure. What? And it, but it is actually brilliant. And, and it's about this man. Well, I'm only two or three chapters in, so I'm not 100% sure, but it, it seems to be about um, Paris in the post- World War II period and it's about this American expat who moves to Paris and lives there and meets this man Giovanni who works in a bar and kind of starts up a relationship with him and it seems to be that the American guy is either gay or bisexual but not out or not even realizing that he is like kind of very much in denial but he's hanging out with all of these kind of out gay men who seem to be very much like oh yeah like you know your man's not gay lol you know what I mean so they're all kind of on to him, but he's very much still in denial. But then he meets this guy, Giovanni, and like they strike up a very intense relationship. But it's just really, really beautifully written. Um, and it's very evocative and kind of, I mean, evocative of this time in Paris that I obviously have no knowledge or recollection of. But it's quite beautiful. But actually, I, I also recently read a book called Almost French, which was written by... Um, it's a non-fiction book and it's written by a an Australian woman named Sarah Turnbull. And she's talking about basically she meets this French guy in Bucharest or Budapest or something. And he then invites her to go and visit him in Paris and they start up a relationship and he's like, why don't you move here? And she's basically talking about what Parisians are like and how hard it is to assimilate in a way that she had never expected because she's basically like, like Parisian culture is so different. She's talking about like going to dinner parties where you know, she'll kind of make a joke and everyone will kind of look at her like you're being very uncouth. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of about, mm. I suppose, our like the kind of stereotypical perception of like Parisians being rude, but she kind of goes into it like it's not actually, well, I mean, sometimes they are rude, but I think she kind of goes into it going like it's just a totally different kind of culture. Um, And it's very interesting. And, oh, oh yeah, and she also talks about like, because the guy, the the French guy that she is, I think now married to, but the, that she's with at the time, he's from outside Paris. So she talks about like how much nicer it is to go down the country and hang out with his country friends who are all like totally normal and like very bawdy mm. and very welcoming. And and then she'll go back to Paris and it's kind of this like icy reception that she gets. Um, And then like how the longer she's there, she becomes more Parisian. Like she gets this little dog and starts bringing him to this overpriced groomers. And like this becomes really important to her that oh. everyone loves her dog and stuff. I'd like to read that. You must give that to me when you're finished now. Well, I only have it on Kindle. Oh, that's it's so annoying. Okay. What um, what kind of books do you not like? Do you not enjoy? What kind of books do I? Not? I think I kind of enjoy. I mean, like, is it too simplistic to say crap books? But like, I, I like I enjoy crap books as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I read a lot of what people would consider like fluffy books or like kind of uh, like I really enjoyed reading the Twilight books. I 
semi, I mean, I actually didn't enjoy reading Fifty Shades of Grey because they're all so terribly written, but like I read them all. You know what I mean? As did I. As did I. <laughs> um, I also recently read those ones, um, the Dresden Files about Harry Dresden, the wizard, which like, you know, like I quite enjoy fantasy and sci-fi. I'm also currently reading Dune because I saw the trailer. Oh, for the I have to read that. I was like, that looks amazing. And then I thought I'd read the book first. And I really like like Louise Bagshaw, who is now, I think, or went through a phase of being a Tory MP and now is still like very political. So I tried to separate Louise Bagshaw from Louise Mensch, who is her, who is the, like her, her name now, but like Louise Bagshaw was her, I don't know if it was her maiden name or her like nom de plume, but she just wrote a whole load of like stupid romance novels that I loved. <laughs> what kind of books what about, do you not like? Well, I don't know. I don't know if there are any books I don't like. I mean, I love, I very, I mean, not guiltily, but I really enjoy thrillers. Like I love, um, I was trying to think, are there women in this, in this um, genre that I really enjoy? And there are, there are a couple. I really like, um, well, these are not women, but I love, you know, Lee Child, Jack Reacher. Oh, yes. Yeah, just same. totally enjoyable. Um, I love Michael Connelly and um, the Bosch series. And I enjoyed the series on Amazon as well. I like, I also like John Connolly, the Irish American author who has kind of thriller, but there's also a supernatural aspect. But I find with him that you can't read too many of them back to back because it starts to become kind of repetitive or oh, a little yeah. bit. Some of, and some of the characters, like especially the henchmen, like his, his right hand group become a bit cartoonish, you know, but it, but it is, I think he gets the supernatural very well. And I think his writing is really good. And I love, I liked Julia Keller, who's a, an American author who writes a lot about the Appalachian mountains and her character's name is, uh, not Belle, um, Belfa. Oh. And she's a, she's a lawyer. So she comes to, she comes back to the town that she grew up in. And there's a whole series about her, you know, kind of, um, she comes back and she says she's divorced from her husband who stayed, I believe, in Washington. I think he stays in Washington. They have one daughter and she moves back to this town because she wants to make a difference. And there's a whole um, crime aspect, of course, but it's also like a lot of character development. And then I think it's really interesting, the whole Appalachia aspect of it, like what that means and how that very kind of blue collar mining town mentality, like how it's changed the whole kind of drugs, corruption, poverty, all of that kind of stuff. But then also there's a wealthy side and a kind of a well-to-do side of it and very sort of Southern genteel aspect that I find really interesting. Where, I where are that. the Appalachians? Whole, I think it's down like the Carolinas, that kind of okay. area. And and you can edit that out if it's wrong. You can look at <laughs> it afterwards. <laughs> but um. Again, I think I feel like her first she was a, she was a journalist. I think she won the the Pulitzer for something. And she was really like really again really nicely written, you know, the descriptions of the land are amazing. And the first couple were not couple, but the first several books were really good. And then I feel like there were a couple that maybe and I think this happens with everybody. They then like they get famous, you know, and then it's kind of or then it's kind of like here's a a novella and you're like did this get written like way before like, oh, was this yeah. kind of a you know a rough draft because it isn't good and you actually shouldn't have published it you know yeah and it's just that they're like let you know you're like let's get something else out while we have the momentum yes and it's not that it's bad per se but if i hadn't read the other books it wouldn't be i would think it was good 
no, no, I would think it was good. But because I read the other books, it then puts me off the next ones because I go, oh, oh I her you. quality's gone down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel yeah. like you're, they don't kind of think about the long trajectory. Although she's probably going to write in, I mean, not that she's listening, but like she's probably going to be like, actually, I wrote that fourthy bitch. But anyway, I also loved Joe Nesbo and all that Swedish. Oh, and Wallander. You know, I really love a bit of like murder mystery. And then there are some really good Italian ones too that I can't remember the name right now, but I just read a really good one. Um, and I find, but I find Wallander hilarious. Like the Swedish, is he Swedish? Yeah, he's Swedish. Detective, just right? The, yeah, detective one. Just the like Kurt, Kurt Wallander. And who's the writer? I can't remember. But like, anyway, it's, it's, everybody knows who it is. Kenneth Branagh, like the least well cast after Tom Cruise and Jack Reacher. Like oh, bad Tom casting Cruise lads. And Jack Reacher, yeah. so help me. Lads, call me. If anybody's about to cast any of these Books, call me, please. I have strong opinions on you who know, and should not be, who should really, and should not be cast. Have you read um, J.M. Cutsey's Disgrace? Yeah, ages ago. Right. I, I really like that. I think I read it in college. I mean, it's very grim, but I also really liked it. And I thought it was really interesting from the point of view of the, like, the South African landscape and kind of racism in South Africa and violence. And But I remember when I read it, I saw so clearly the professor character as Kevin Spacey. I mean, now disgraced Kevin Spacey, but at the time it was Kevin Spacey. Uh-huh. And then the movie came out and it was John Malkovich. And I was just like, no. Again, I was like, why didn't somebody consult me? It was clearly supposed to be Kevin Spacey. John Malkovich did So annoying, it. isn't it? What did you think so about annoying. Um, Catherine Heigl as Stephanie Plum, though? Oh, it's on my list. Not who I would have cast. I actually like her a lot, Catherine Heigl. Like, I enjoyed her in that Firefly Lane TV oh, yes. show, which oh, I have yeah, to say. I love that. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that at the very beginning, as a total snob bitch face, I sent you this trailer. I was like, this looks terrible. Next thing you know, I was like binging it going, this is amazing. But, but what, Firefly Lane? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. this looks terrible and so bad. I mean, I have to say, I'm not sure the budget was everything it could have been. And there were some pretty bad lighting moments, but so enjoyable. And she and the other actor, like really brought these two characters to life. And the wigs and the ca- the flashbacks oh, were hilarious. Grace, yes. Brilliant. I well recommend A that. rich anyway. tapestry of entertainment. Yeah, very, very good. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss yeah I have strong feelings about who should be cast so the other one I like Joe Nesbitt oh no I was going to say Kurt Wander what I really enjoy is these really weird moments that are like very culturally specific to your point like the, you know when you watch Swedish TV shows it's darker it's broodier like everybody has a problem of some sort yeah, you know yeah. it's like there's no kind of like it's definitely not back to that comparison point of law and order you know, where, yes, they have problems, but the problems present to them, like the problems are not within themselves. It's like, I have a problem, you know, somebody's being mean to me, not like I have issues within my personality that, you know, cause me to behave a certain way. And like, therefore I become, you know, a, a deeper layered personality. Anyway, not so in Swedish, in Swedish drama. So Kurt Wander, you know, drinks too much, kind of has a disagreeable personality and at one point anyway, gets into his office, realizes he hasn't showered, takes off, takes, takes off his shirt, goes over to the curtain, wipes his armpit under the curtain. And I just remember going like, genius, right? Genius oh. moment in literature. But I mean, just to, you know, those are the moments that I go, these weird observations of people's quirks are what I enjoy yeah. in books. Not like, now I solve the case, onto the next case. I mean, I, I read those books too, but it's like, it's for those human observations that are so interesting. Um, well, who is your favorite Irish author? Oh, God. Um, oh, it's so annoying now because I find a lot of, like, I really liked Colin McCann's Let the Great World Spin. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that too. Um, but he's now problematic. So many men uh, have, I mean, so many humans, I guess, have had problematic moments in their past. But I read a piece about him, his behavior at a book festival with a female author. And I just was like, oh, another favorite ruined. I used to really enjoy John Banville. And when I first started reading him, I was like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. And, you know, he's, he's so smart and his writing is just really beautiful and then I think I got to a point where I was like, I felt like sometimes his writing is very self-consciously smart. You know what I mean? That he's trying to prove, I mean, maybe that's unfair. Maybe he just is like a genius, but I feel sometimes like he's using big words for the sake of using big words, which kind of annoys me. Um, but I also really like uh, Colm Tobin. Oh, I love Colm Tobin. Yeah. So that's all men. I'm a disgrace to myself. I, I did actually decide... There was a year, I think it lasted two years actually, where I exclusively read female authors. Not because I don't think that we should read both genders, but because I'd done an English degree and I realized that I'd read so many more men than I'd read women. I was like, I'm going to try and even the scale by just spending two years or just spending one year. And then it ended up being two years exclusively reading female authors. But now because I'm a terrible feminist, I can't remember any of them. So it's a disgrace. What about... Um 
the book that you just recommended to me, Luster. Who's that by? Because that was brilliant. Oh, um, I want to say R- Raven Le- Leilani. Yes. Oh my God, I'm an absolute genius. How did I remember that? That was an <laughs> so amazing modest, book. huh? So modest. Oh yeah, so modest. Was wasn't that the one about the girl who's having an affair with her with like a senior in her work? And then she kind of ends up getting involved with his family, isn't that? No, she's having a she's having an affair with everybody in her office, and then she meets this guy online. She's 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 flinging around the office, and then she meets this guy online, and she starts to have an affair with him, and then she gets involved with his family. Yes, but yes, yeah, yeah, so yeah she's, okay, yeah. yes. And uh, I thought it was just again fascinating, like this inner, like because I mean, not that much happens in the book. Like, okay, things happen, but it's a pretty slow moving, like in terms of you know. A lot of it is the tension of what's about to happen. How are they going to behave? It's like these, you know, interactions of like kind of microaggressions or like tiny little, what did that mean? What did that like? Why are you doing this? It's more examining like people's motivations. And it was very bizarre, but it was so, so interesting and so well written and so honest, I thought. Yes. Yeah. And I also really liked that she was such like, she was such an imperfect, flawed, occasionally unlikable character, but like in the way that we all are, you know what I mean? Which made it so mm-hmm. much more interesting that there were all these layers. Um, I actually should say, I'm, I'm looking at my, my Kindle read now. I, I recently read two books by um, a Native American author called Rebecca Roanhorse called Trail of Lightning and oh. Storm of Locusts. And they're post-apocalyptic sci-fi slash fantasy about this monster hunter uh, in a time after basically all the water has run out. And I find them really interesting. I can't remember where. I think I heard her on the Bechtel cast, a podcast I listened to about the Bechtel test in movies. And I think she was one of the one of their guests talking about a film about I think she was on talking about Frozen 2 and how Frozen 2 reveals that Anna and Elsa are actually mixed race and and come from kind of like Native American past. And I found I found her books just really, really interesting and really entertaining. And like they kind of made me think about Native American and First Nations people without kind of hitting me over the head with it, if you know what I mean. And I just like, it just really made me go, God, I, I, I really read so much by white people about white people. And this was like in this genre of sci-fi and fantasy that I wouldn't have necessarily expected to find this diversity, if you know what I mean, but they were very good. And now I'm annoyed because the next one isn't out till next year. Let's not forget that we both, we were in a book club briefly this year and we read The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Wasn't that her oh, name? Oh, that was great. Yeah. And that was amazing right yeah, if you want really, a really non-white good. author and like just really interesting and a real kind of uh very thought-provoking in the same way of like what if you know life went this way and yeah. what was the other one we where where the crawdad sing which i have not yet finished oh yeah where the crawdad sing which i feel like where the crawdad sing was your version of because we, because i went on about it so much and asked you had you had you read it 300 times you were like i can't yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. Well, also because we had a deadline on it, which I'm like, I can't. Oh, yeah. But also I, also in that book club, like, lest we pretend everything was sunshine and roses, I also had to read, and you didn't read it, Glennon Doyle's Untamed, which I've spoken <laughs> about in a pre- previous podcast episode, and I hated it so yeah. much. No, I did not read that. Thanks very much. Absolutely not. Maybe I kind of hate, like, there's some self-helpy books. You know what? Self-helpy books about dating that don't take themselves too seriously I find entertaining and I'll happily read them self-helpy books about like personal growth and I mean maybe I just feel like I'm grown I'm like I'm perfect but books like I mean I I do quite like Brene Brown but like 
I think I've read two of her books and that's enough now. You know what I mean? I'd like, I hated the Glennon Doyle book. I don't really have an interest in reading books that are going to tell me about how somebody made these great decisions about their life and therefore they now know that the way to make great decisions is to sit in their knowing, Glennon. Well, well, here's a different, uh, absolute opposite of that. I just read a book that was gifted to me about 18 months ago by you called Yoko Ogawa by Yoko Ogawa called The Memory Police. And it was uh, a book by, I believe, a Japanese author. I read it out by the pool. It got a bit splashed upon at some point. And I started reading and it was really, you know, there is no knowledge gleaned by me at the end. There is, I am quite baffled as to what actually happened. I do not think I'm any the wiser, but it was definitely very interesting. And I had to struggle to go, what is happening? What is about to happen? What is happening? So at one point, you know, not at one point, the whole book is about this woman who lives in a town where things disappear bit okay. by bit, like items disappear one at a time. And they are that they, they disappear from the collective consciousness. And there are memory police whose job it is to come around and make sure that those things are gone. And if you're hoarding them, you're in trouble. Right. And they take people away and they're never seen again if they're, you know, considered to be dissenters. And there are a couple of people in the population who 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 do not not conform like it's not a it's not a choice thing it's like it's more like you know say for say for example cups disappear right the next day we rally we get all our cups together and slowly over the next couple of days or weeks cups just the the concept of a cup disappears from our but there are a few people who are immune is what you're saying to like the memory loss yes and so they all have to go into hiding or because they're not allowed be there kind of disrupting but but uh, you know the whole purpose of yeah it was very odd and i'm like why is this happening what's the bigger plan still none the wiser very interesting calm obviously very thoughtful i was like well what what is this allegory i i think i have some more thinking to do on it if somebody has an idea they feel free to tell me but i mean I thought it was very interesting. It was a bit like, what's that other guy? Um, Kash- what's Kashuo Isaguru? Oh, the remains, yeah. The Remains of the Day. Like, I like all these, you know, I like these. I feel like Japanese authors are very intensely intelligent and write very meaningful things. I'm not sure the meaning of them is fully captured by me. Like, I read them more superficially. I'm kind of going, what's going on? And then I start stressing out, like, I can't get this. It's like when I'm doing Spelling Bee and I can't get the, oh, the pangram. Nice. Mm-hmm. Would you and um, would you recommend that book, The Memory Please? I feel like you're kind of in two minds about it. I'd rec. I think it was. Yeah, I'd recommend it, and then somebody can tell me what it was about. I mean, I'd recommend it. I, it was a really enjoyable. I feel like I put it down and lost it at one point halfway through, which then made it ha- more of a slog for the back half. But I was reading it at a good clip at the beginning. I was like, this is very interesting and and kind of dynamic. It was very interesting and probably a bit more racy not in a, like a sexual way but a bit like dynamic a bit tense you know than I was expecting it to be yeah but it was at the beginning it was interesting definitely made me kind of go what is going on but listen I'm going to ask myself the question that I asked you since she didn't ask me who what Irish authors do I like oh sorry what Irish authors do you like I too like John Banville although I don't I don't know that I find him self-conscious I think more that he is extremely fixated on the English language and sometimes at the um exclusion of the reader you know that he uses words because he knows they exist and they should be used maybe to keep them alive but they kind of disrupt the flow of the narrative from my perspective yeah yeah um but i think he's an amazing writer however i do not like his benjamin black oh no neither do i i I only read one and i was like meh Uh, i read the most recent one there recently mom and dad sent over to me for my birthday and i was like this is 
Like it's like he's an excellent writer. This is my opinion. He's an excellent writer um, of true like literary fiction or. But when he gets into it's very stylized and hokey, in my opinion, like the the thrilling part of it is not thrilling. Like it's, it's yeah, not really who done it. I'm like, who cares? So but he's a great writer. So I feel like this is more just maybe a hobby for him. Like this is more like, oh, I want to try my hand at it. Fine. Yeah. You know, but I, I won't be going there again. I also love Colm Tobin and I loved The Master, one of my favorite books ever. Amazing. I don't think I read that. It was I think I started it and then abandoned it. Oh my God. It was one of the best books I ever read. I was literally like, this is unbelievable. Like I enjoyed it so much. I wish I hadn't read it so that I could read it again. Oh, you know what I actually really enjoyed? And this is like a slight, uh, I don't know if you call it nepotistic if it's your friends, but like biased. I really enjoyed, Sophie White wrote two books called uh, Filter This and Unfiltered or or the other way around. I can't remember which came first. Basically about influencers. Like just totally huh. like like fiction, uh, kind of, you know, popular fiction about um, this kind of micro influencer who accidentally leads someone to believe she is pregnant gets a huge amount of followers off the back of like oh she's having a baby and then like doesn't know how to backtrack and this bleeds out into her life and this guy that she's seeing thinks they're having a baby and she has to try and keep up this charade and like in the meantime there's all these kind of like power dynamics between like the big influencers and the little influencers and like it's all very you know there are moments of it that are definitely like swiped from things that have happened in Irish influencerville and obviously that's a, a an arena that I'm very interested in in a salacious way, but I find them very entertaining and like would highly recommend them for like a really nice, easy read if you follow any influencers and either love or hate them. You know what I mean? The other um, the other two books, again, back to American Men now that I've done all my women. I have two more women to talk about, but the other books that I just think are amazing, back to the just amazing literature and like talking about real lives in a really way that is fascinating is my favorite, Richard Russo, who I've only managed to mention about three times on this on this episode so far so I need to give him need to give him a full on shout out for being one of the most amazing writers every single time I loved his book Empire Falls Ah, amazing I feel like I read it and every single page I was like it's getting better how can this get better (laughs) and then another book that I read which I gave as a gift to so many people I actually want to and I gave my own copy away I want to buy it again so I could read it again was American Rust by Philip Meyer and it was ah, amazing it was about um it was about the life of a young man in a blue collar town in an iron iron mining town and kind of how he just the struggles of wanting to leave, not knowing if he could leave, trying to make it within the town, what it all meant like ah, amazing. So I loved that as well. But then I also wanted to say, do you like graphic novels, Rosemary? Do you read any graphic novels? I think the only graphic novel noddle, the only graphic novel <laughs> I've ever read is Mouse, which I did really enjoy. Oh God, floods of tears! Yeah, absolutely, floods of tears. Yeah, but I don't, I don't read like I wouldn't pick up a graphic novel. It wouldn't really occur to me. I have, I have Watchmen well, in front of me right here. Maybe I should. Oh well, Don, Don, yeah. I mean, Don reads a lot of graphic novels, and obviously the kids will only read graphic novels. So I've read a lot of them, and I, I read the whole Walking Dead, and I actually thought it was really enjoyable as a graphic novel. But I, I read Why the Last Man, and I'm bringing this up because I saw a trailer finally out for it. It's been allegedly in pre-production for about the last decade, and it's about a post-apocalyptic world in which all the women survive and only one man survives, they think. So why the last man? So of course, actually, this was funny. I was like, how do you manage to create a world in which it's full of women, but the 
protagonist is a man, right? Because the one remaining man. But I did really enjoy it and I'm dying to see the TV show, which also leads me to the trailer for The Matrix 4. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. And I was wondering this week why everyone was talking about The Matrix. It looks amazing. And I have to say, The Matrix 1 was amazing. 2 and 3, crap, right? (laughs) So I was like, oh, 4 is going to be rubbish. Looks amazing. I'm sold. As Dawn said, when she jumps from a great height out of the building and it crumbles under her feet, I was like, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Looked amazing. Doesn't take much for you two Egypts. So tell me, okay, before we before we wrap up, uh, tell me who are your two favorite classic authors? Because we all read a lot of classic. You know, I'll give you mine then because you're looking you're looking yeah, baffled. I give you mine. So I'd like to give a shout out to Jane Austen and Edith, Edith Wharton, who got me through my teen years <laughs> just by being generally wonderful, so entertaining, understanding the human condition, but really giving me a good like um, perspective about. Women, I think that even, you know, they write so well about women, obviously, not Mm -hmm. just because they are women, because they had a great respect for women and their position in society. And I also loved the TV show of everything Jane Austen related, but of the Buccaneers by Edith Wharton, underappreciated TV series with them. What's her name? Carla Gugino, 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 whatever, however you pronounce her name. Her good actress. I don't think I've seen that. I told you, little scene underappreciated TV classic. But I'm like, I should surely have seen it if you were watching it at home. I wasn't watching it at home. I was probably watching it on Netflix here recently. Oh. Maybe last night. No, I don't know when. I'm trying, I can't think of any, like, what? I can't think of any classic authors I love. You know what I mean? As in, Babysitter's Club. I don't even know who <laughs> wrote them. Oh, for God's sake. The, the, oh, sorry, sorry. Mallory Towers and the Twins of St. Clair's, Ina Blyton. Oh, mm-hmm. I loved them so much. And sometimes I kind of get tempted. I think I saw them in a bookshop the other day or saw them online or something. And I was like slightly tempted to buy them and reread them. And then I was like, no, I can't because I just, it's not going to be, you know what I mean? It's not going to be the same. But I think I read them all about 10 times, like the entire Mallory Towers set, the entire Twins of St. and then tormented mom and dad to send me to boarding school, which obviously I would have absolutely hated. What about C.S. Lewis? Alice in Wonderland. No, The Chronicles of Narnia. Jesus. Narnia, I love Narnia. I read that about 90 times. I liked Narnia, but then I fell off at, at Prince Caspian. I think I only liked the first one. I think I only liked Chronicles of Narnia. Didn't care about the rest of them then. As a child. What did I love as a child? I, I was just obsessed with the Second World War. Well, well, well not the Second World War. I was obsessed you with were, the Holocaust. You were. And I was you also were. obsessed with uh, the concept of, an, of, of another Holocaust. I was obsessed with that book, Children of the Dust, that I read oh, I over that. and over and over and over again. You were extremely cheerful, I can tell. <laughs> Children of the Dust was by, I'll tell you now, Louise Lawrence. Oh. Louise Lawrence's Children of the Dust. Yeah, I was incredibly cheerful. But that was actually a slightly cheerful novel because after everyone died, then anyone who survived got, um, got like special powers and they became telekinetic. So I was very excited about that possibility. Oh, that is interesting. I would like that. Yeah. I, would, I also read a lot of those Goosebump, Goosebumps books. Oh, Goosebumps and also Point Horror. I loved Point Horror. Oh, loved that too. Yeah, yeah. That was Do great. you remember the one about, that was called Twins, where one of these twins died in a skiing accident and the other twin pretended to be the other, you know what I mean? She pretended that like, it was as if the two, like as if you died and then I pretended to be you. Because, because she was like. that. What? You'd love that. I would love that because I'd be like, oh my God, now I can finally be 
successful. I can have these four children. Hmm. I can have this great wardrobe. And then I suppose Don. <laughs> now you're being really bitchy. <laughs> anyway, listen, we could we could go on for, well, you could go on for years and then I could be like, I don't remember anything else. I just read that. I just read Fifty Shades of Grey 50 million times. Lol. <laughs> I think I did read them all <laughs> twice. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope that you found our book recommendations helpful. Uh, in in your well, we hope that the one person who demanded book recommendations is listening to this and is happy, and was serious. Actually, now that I think about it, and now she put in four exclamation marks. She was definitely serious. Okay, okay. <laughs> thank you all for listening, and thank you for being our friends. Thank you. Thanks for, for listening. Being our friend, isn't that from the Babysitters Club or something? No, is that not from Cheers? Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the Babysitters Club. Say hello to your friends. Wasn't it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Good job. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Not Without My Sister is edited by Tall Tales. Sound and original music by Don Kirkland and our original illustration is by Lindsay Nielsen. Not Without My Sister is a member of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts. As is my podcast, Meet Your Maker. You'll find more great shows at thewarren.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps to Detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.